Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. We spend half of the meeting talking about all the books we've read on our own and then the book that we're doing that month. Um, so our meetings tend to go very long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 274. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to helping you get more out of your reading life by exploring the all-important question, what should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, I want to share a quick heads up on an ebook sale. My first book, Reading People, is on sale right now for just $1.99 across all ebook platforms. This is the lowest price it's ever been, which I hope makes it a great time for you to pick up a copy for yourself or a friend. That's my first book, Reading People. It's all about how better understanding your own and others' personality types improves your life, work, and relationships. And it's $1.99 across all ebook platforms right now. I hope you enjoy it. Happy reading. Readers, the origin story for today's episode might make you swoon. It all started with a conversation on Instagram, where I got a message from one incredibly intentional boyfriend hoping to make some bookish dreams come true. When I found out more, I had to invite his girlfriend, Ashley, to come on the show as a guest, and I'll let her tell the whole story today. Ashley Parrish is a book lover and self-proclaimed TV junkie who enjoys scrolling bookstagram but wants to find more backlist titles instead of picking up every book that garners a lot of buzz on social media. I'm sure many of you can relate. Today, it's my job to share three or maybe a few more titles to satisfy Ashley's love of page-turning fiction and books that revolve around the performing arts. Let's get to it. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Anne. I'm so excited to be here. Ashley, this is not the first What Should I Read Next recording that has come to pass because of an Instagram message, but our whole team just really liked the story behind this one. And it started with a DM to me from your boyfriend. But I've never heard the story from your perspective, actually. Would you tell us what happened? Anyone who knows Rudy, he's a true overachiever and perfectionist. And so for Christmas, he surprised me with themed gifts. And one was a set of Disney gifts, which is completely random, but I love Disney. <laughs> he didn't tell me about that part. 
Yeah, <laughs> he only gave you the information that he felt was important. <laughs> but yeah, and then the other set was a set of books. And he he's not the person to just give me a book. He curated a TBR stack according to my interests. He added brochures with award-winning books, gave me book accessories. And so he presented all that. And I was completely shocked because I didn't think that he listened to me talk about books in Bookstagram. He then said, oh yeah, and I hear you talk about Ann Bogle all the time. So I bought you the Ann Bogle book and I reached out to her to see if she could join your book club. And I was completely shocked. Shocked and not shocked because he does everything at 120%. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Rudy, for making that happen. When he told me about you, he said, you know, this is my girlfriend, Ashley. This is what she likes to read. She's read a lot more in the past years. She is in a book club called the Bourbon Babes Book Club. Like these are the things she And I just thought, oh, that all sounds, yeah, yeah, that sounds delightful. Can I invite myself to this book club? How did he do with his stack of books? He did phenomenal. And he had told me he like went through all of the books that I had posted on my bookstagram page and then looked at other bookstagrammers to make sure that it was a fit for me and my personality, but every book was spot on. And there was only one book that I had just made a post about like the day before that he bought. And he was like, oh no, I just saw you just posted it. (laughs) (laughs) What was the book? It was Furia. Which I think is a sign that he did really well. He knows me well. That's wonderful. So I was a little surprised to hear that while you've always loved to read, you haven't always been a reader in the present tense. Yeah. And so when I was younger, I loved to read. I was completely just obsessed with books. And then I discovered friends and hanging out with friends. (laughs) (laughs) And so that kind of took my life away from reading. And I honestly, there was a huge gap in between. So I didn't really pick up books again until like after college, because in college I was working in school and again, hanging out with friends, going to parties and things like that. And then when I hit my 30s, I decided that I need to get back to reading. I love it. It should be a priority and I should make time for it. And so in the past few years, maybe three years, I've read more than I've read in my entire life. And I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm completely back into it. Do you remember what made you think like, huh, I got to bring this back into my life again? You know, I think that it was looking at the book clubs online. So at the time I was looking at like Reese Witherspoon's book club. I think she had Mm -hmm. just started it. And I was like, you know what? I I would really like to talk to people about books. I would like to get back into reading. And I think I said that to just a group of my inner circle because we had never discussed books before. And they said the exact same thing. So then we all decided to form this Bourbon Babes book club. And then that kind of catapulted it to to what my reading life is now. It's so interesting that you stopped reading for a while because of friends, but now you're reading again with the help of friends. I imagine that that's not a coincidence, that that really says something about who you are as a reader and about your personality. Yes, yes. I, I love my girls. And we're also reading all outside of book club. And so it's like we spend half of the meeting talking about all the books we've read on our own and then the book that we're doing that month. Um, so our meetings tend to go very long. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about book club during uh, a pandemic. 
So we started out uh, doing Zoom meetings and then we went back into in-person because we have 10 people and we all have like outdoor setups to where we could do it safely outside. Um, so I have like a huge wraparound porch around my house and a, a backyard that we just got finished. And a lot of the girls have like outdoor fireplaces. We've just been blessed with good outdoor setups to where we could be outside, be distance, and still see each other. And I like that a lot better. But now that it's winter, we're back to Zoom. So I'm hoping that the springtime comes pretty soon. Ashley, how would you describe your reading life right now? My reading life, I'm just still in the early phases of it since I, I'm just coming back to it. So it's like that newlywed phase. And so I'm so excited that I can't get enough. Um, so I'm reading back to back to back. And I really like to read like contemporary fiction, historical fiction. And I've discovered that I like fantasy as well. I didn't think I would be a fantasy person, but I love it. It balances me out. How did you discover that? A couple of years ago, I decided to read like the Harry Potter series and I, I really liked that. And so I went a step further and got into things like Slay. I really enjoyed Slay. The House on the Cerulean Sea, I enjoyed that. So that's more so more recent reads. And then after reading those, I mean, every fantasy book I picked up was like five star reads for me. So I kept going with it. I'm so glad you took a chance on a new genre. Ashley, what do you do when you're not reading? When I'm not reading, I'm definitely a TV junkie. That sounds terrible, but I love TV. <laughs> there are great stories on TV as well. There are. And just every show that comes out, I just think that they're also beautifully written. I'm also a big scrapbooker. I love photos and photography. And so I, I just like to keep those moments um, preserved. So that's always fun for me. And then my new obsession with Disney World, which was completely pandemic driven. <laughs> I'm now like looking back into the history of Disney, um, which I found fascinating. So I picked up a biography of Walt Disney and I haven't finished it because it can get a little dry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I'm just so fascinated with his story and, and what type of business person that he was to, to create this fantasy world. I guess. That's so funny, Ashley. I used to work in property law and the Disney story is legend there for the way that the land was acquired to build Disney World back in the day. It's just interesting how something that's so present in the culture can still be very specifically topically interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying that. Did you ever expect a rabbit hole in that direction during the pandemic? I didn't. And I mean, Rudy probably gets sick of me like spitting out random facts. I was like, did you know that Disney has their own electric company? I, I didn't know that. Did he know that? No, he didn't. I guess they didn't want to use the city's like electricity or it wasn't available. And so they have their own company for literally everything. You can go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> now, as we're thinking about your reading life today, should we be thinking Disney books? What are you interested in exploring in your reading life, Ashley? Like I said, I love historical fiction as well. Um, I think what I'm looking for in my reading life right now is books that are not new releases because Bookstagram has set me down a rabbit hole where I get the book the minute it comes out and sometimes before. And so I definitely want to go back into like older books, but staying along the lines of fiction. But then also I wouldn't mind doing some nonfiction as well. Okay. So your reading life these days is Bookstagram made me do it. Bookstagram makes me do everything. And <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stop. <laughs> Well, you are not the first reader to feel both indebted to and beholden to Bookstagram. We will certainly explore that. 
Ashley, I can't wait to hear more about what you've been reading lately and also what it is precisely that Bookstagram is making you read. Are you ready to dive into your books? I am. Okay. You know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately. And we'll talk about what you may enjoy reading next. How did you choose these titles for today? So I chose more recent reads and just the books that I can't stop thinking about or that I'm constantly recommending to other people. That's a really good way to pick. Okay, let's dive in. Tell me about your first favorite. So my first favorite was Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman, and this is the prequel to the Practical Magic series. Um, I haven't read the other books, but I wanted to pick this up since it was it was the start of the story. <laughs> it's a story about Maria Owens, who's a healer or a witch, and it follows her through childhood, um, through her adulthood when she was raising her daughter. And I love that this is a story about love, but it's not written like a romance novel because I'm not really into romance, or at least I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a love between partners, between family members, mother and daughter um, in the community. And I just like that it's about witches. I love witches. I like historical fiction. And this is set in the um, Salem witch trial. It's just beautifully written. Tell me more about liking witches. I don't know if that comes from Hocus Pocus, because that, that was one of my favorite movies growing up, but they're just so fascinating. Me and my sister actually went to Salem to see some of the places where they filmed that movie and to see like where the Salem witch trials were. And I just, I just thought that was so interesting. Oh, that's so fun. You could do that together. What was that like going to Salem? It was beautiful. I mean, the town is a town that I haven't really been to a place like that. I haven't been to um, the Northeast before then. And so the houses were gorgeous. I just love the style. It was a quaint little town. It looked like a town that would have witches. <laughs> I love how that long held interest, you see it in your reading life, you see it in the travels, you see it in the things you do with other people in your life, like your sister. Ashley, what did you choose for your second favorite? So my second was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and I read this a few years ago and still to this day recommend it to everyone. This book was the only book that we've ever read in book club where everyone rated it five stars. Oh, wow. We all absolutely loved it. So I don't know what it says about us. <laughs> we can never really agree on anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I read this book without like needing to come up for air. And that's different for me. Like normally I have to take a break and then pick it up again. But this book, I just like read completely through. And I was just so interested in Evelyn's story and all the things that she had to do. She had to pretty much claw her way to the top. And the ending completely shocked me. I didn't see it coming. Um, I didn't even realize that we were building up to that moment, which I liked a lot. I, li I like to be shocked at the end, but I, I don't like thrillers. So I like a neat little <laughs> life story and then a big shocker at the end. She has a new book coming out this summer. It's called Malibu Rising. And there's a fun little connection between Evelyn Hugo and that book. Evelyn Hugo's husband number three is one of the central characters in Malibu Rising. But he was totally forgettable is husband number three. Like he just, mm -hmm. like he was just mentioned almost in passing. I think he was gullible. I mean, he was husband number three of seven. He can't have been that great a guy, right? Like that's not <laughs> how fiction works. <laughs> Maybe that would be a fun connection for your book club. 
Yeah, I'm so excited to pick that new one up. We actually, um, well, I also read Daisy Jones and the Six and then told all of the club about it. And so they read that. And then we picked up One True Loves of hers as well. And we didn't like that as much because it was more so on the romance side, but we love Taylor and everything she writes. So we'll continue to read her books. That was definitely from a different era in her career. I see what you're saying. And what did you choose for your final favorite? So my final favorite was Girl, Woman, Other. So in this book, each chapter is a story of a different character, and it's of Black British women or Black LGBTQ persons, um, and it follows their lives and their struggles. I felt deeply for each one of these characters and what they were going through, and I'm a Black woman, so I was wanting to read stories that had more Black characters, and I'm so glad that I picked this up. Even though each chapter is of a different character, they all are intertwined. So they all are connected in one way or another. And I actually had to like create a map to say who knows who and who who's involved in whose lives. And this one also ended with a twist. I found that exciting as well. Tell me more about this map you made. Once I got through the first six characters, I realized like, okay, I'm seeing this pattern of them being related, but I'm not going to remember by the by the end of it because it's actually 12 different people. And so I would write a, a person in a little bubble and then kind of write, you know, what that person went through and their, their main storyline and then connect it by lines to the next person. So like, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> was funny. <laughs> <laughs> putting the degrees out there. I can't remember what the chart's called. I know the bubbles and the lines. I have no idea what, what kind of chart that is, but that's the chart that I made. <laughs> I love picturing that. I love it when there's something like a map at the front of a book. And if the publisher doesn't provide, you just make your own. I was surprised to discover recently when I talked to Nadia of the Storygraph on the podcast that no one has chosen Girl, Woman, Other is a guest favorite yet because Obama called it one of his favorites. I thought it would be on the show by now, but I love that you've brought it up again now because it certainly deserves it. And many love it because it's set in the world of theater and the arts. Is that something that you look for in your books? You touch on that too with um, The Seven Lives of Evelyn Hugo, which is interesting. Yeah, you know, I honestly didn't realize that until you just said it. <laughs> I do love theater and the arts. It's very much a part of my life. I was actually in show choir in high school, and I love musicals. Um, I'm a member of the art museum here, and so it is a part of my life. And I I didn't realize that I was putting that into my reading as well. I guess I was subconscious. Well, I love that you did that and that you sought those out in your reading life without even realizing that. Ashley, it's time for you to share a book that was not right for you. How did you choose this one? This was kind of hard because I really like a lot of books. I guess I'm a mood reader. And so I kind of go into it knowing what I want to read. Um, so it was difficult to pick one I didn't like, but I chose Mexican Gothic by Silvia Marina Garcia. And I was so excited about this. It had all the buzz on Bookstagram, had a beautiful cover, and I picked it as part of my subscription box. And this was my first Gothic novel. So I didn't know what to expect, but I was, I was thinking it would be a little creepy, but not too scary. Uh -huh. But the reason why I didn't like it is that I feel like nothing happened for three-fourths of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the house is a character itself, which was interesting. And so it would have a couple of creepy details and then nothing would happen for chapters, you know, going forward. 
And then in the end, everything happens, like all the things happen. And it was so jam packed, I guess, explaining what has been going on. And so when I finished it, I thought I liked it more than what I did because I was coming off that high of the the thrill. As I sat with it, I was like, okay, yeah, the ending was full of fun, but it wasn't worth reading all of the pages before that. <laughs> so like the first three quarters of the book was about what, like setting the mood? Is that fair? Yeah, it was setting the mood. It kind of explained a backstory or the family in the house. I don't really know. <laughs> okay. So you need more than a mood. You need some action to feel a book is satisfying. Yes. But it sounds like you stuck it through to the end. I didn't hate this book at all. Um, I kind of rated it in the middle. I just don't think that I would pick it up again. And I, I think the reason why I knew that it should be my book that I didn't like is because I'm willing to part with it and I'm never willing to part with my books. Tell me more about that. So I love building my bookshelves and I'm just so excited to just see everything there. And a couple of years ago, I had in my mind that I was going to quit my job and become a librarian because I just love seeing bookshelves and everyone convinced me maybe I should think that through again. <laughs> I, I have a pretty good career. So they were like, do you really want to go back to school and spend all this money to become a librarian when you can just like just keep adding to your bookshelves? And I agree. That was good. I have a good job. So um, I just like seeing the books and I I'll let people borrow them, but I don't ever want to get rid of them permanently. Like I just want them all to be there. How do you store them in your house? I have two bookshelves right now in my living room and they're overflowing. So I actually just called someone to come in to uh, give me a quote on built-ins going all across our living room wall. <laughs> That sounds glorious. So that's a real commitment to the house and to the books. It is, but I think it's going to be well worth it. As someone who went down that road a few years ago, I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing that project unfold on Bookstagram. Ashley, what are you reading right now? So I just finished The Four Winds and I really like that. I like the historical aspect of it. So it's set in the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl era. And it's about a woman and her family and just kind of what she's gone through, through motherhood and going through the Great Depression as a farmer that was highly impacted. The setting was a huge thing in this book. It was kind of a, a character in itself. And I enjoyed that. Um, towards the middle, it got a little repetitive and it, it wasn't moving fast enough for me, but I stuck with it and I, I still think it's a great book. It had me Googling a lot about the Great Depression because I didn't know much about it. And then another book that I just finished was Transcendent Kingdom and I absolutely loved this. It was beautiful. I liked how it touched on religion and just kind of her back and forth struggle with that. I just found that completely interesting. And then my last book that I also just finished was Forgetting What You Can't Forget, which was a Christian self-help book about healing and moving on. And it, it was written very beautifully and it is by Lisa Tearkirst. Well, we've touched a little bit on what you're looking for right now, and that is more books that are not brand new. What else are you looking for in your reading life right now? 
Yeah, more books that are not brand new and more books by Black authors. Like I said, I am a Black woman and I want my shelves to reflect that and reflect my culture and maybe a touch of magic here and there just to, I mean, there's so much going on in the world that is depressing. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's true. And also you laugh or you cry. It's a little uplifting and not so sad and depressing, I guess. (laughs) Well, that sounds fun. Let's do this. The books you chose as your favorites were Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and Girl, Woman, Other by Bernardine Evaristo. Not for you, because Not Enough Happens, is Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. We're looking for books by Black authors, books that feel uplifting and hopeful, and books that have a little touch of magic. Now, what I would really love for you is a book by a Black author with Black characters set in the world of, say, the theater, like Girl, Woman, Other, maybe with a little touch of magic. I cannot think of such a book. Readers, if you can think of such a book, please, please, please tell us in the show notes. We really want to know. I think we can tick off some of those requests with individual titles. You want to give it a shot? Yeah, let's do it. Talk to me about how important the hopefulness is. Does that have to be in every book? No, not at all. Okay, that's good, because the book I want to discuss first is An American Marriage by Tiari Jones. Have you read this one? Because it's been big on Bookstagram, but not for a few years. Yeah, I actually bought it, but I haven't read it. Okay, well, I am hopeful that that is a good sign that it is right for you. Just like Rudy gave you a book you picked out for yourself. um, I hope (laughs) this means it can be good for you. Okay, well, here's what I like about this book for you, aside the fact that Tiari Jones is a phenomenal writer, but something that I really like about this book for you is that one of her two main characters is an artist in this book. This is Tiari Jones's, at this moment in time, her most recent full-length novel. And she said for a long time she knew that she wanted to write about the issue of unjust incarceration, but she didn't want it to be an issues book. She needed a story. And then she was at the mall one day, and she overheard this couple talking, probably even arguing would be more like it. And she heard the woman say to the man, you know, you wouldn't have waited on me for seven years. And she said that this man was upset, but also at least she thought that he was hurt. And he said, that wouldn't have happened to you in the first place. And she says, no, you tell me, would you have waited for me? And he was just so frustrated. He couldn't respond. And she said at the time she was really sympathetic to the man because it was clear that he had suffered, but she looked like she had it together. And she said like the emotions, they were so complex and clearly something painful had happened and it got her thinking. And that became the seeds of this story. And she used the man's name from the mall. His name was Roy. And then she uh, created what she said was a younger version of herself for the female and the couple. And she named her Celestial. So very early in this book, he is unjustly accused of assaulting someone at, I believe it's a Louisiana motel um, when they're visiting family. Thankfully, that's not the important part. So it's okay if I'm getting the details not precisely right. But he ends up going to prison. And the, the question becomes like, what does Celestial do while she's waiting? The reason that T.R. Jones found this so compelling is that it's a conflict in which both parties had a legitimate point. And of course, she wouldn't have been incarcerated in the first place. And how do you patiently wait for someone for seven years? And what happens? Like, how does a couple break down when faced with a conflict like that? That is the initial seed of an American marriage, which what a title when you think that's what it's about. But in the book, Celestial is an artist. She makes beautiful, unique, 
high value dolls. And it's an important part of her character and an important part of her life and work. Like she is on the the brink of great success when her husband gets sent to prison, which is so jarring, you know, like this prosperous artist with a husband who is incarcerated and the tension she feels there. And just, I would recommend you read anything Tiari Jones writes, past, present, or future. And I would say that I think to most readers, because she really is one of our greatest living novelists. But uh, especially with this element of the arts, I think that could be an especially good recommendation for you. And on that note, there is this thing that Audible is doing now. They have been for a couple of years where they're putting out Audible originals that are available only to people on the Audible platform. But she did an Audible original. It's a novella, basically. It's called Half Light, and it's about two identical twins. Their names are Amelia and Camelia. And uh, they're very, very different, of course, in a novel like this, but they look almost identical and they have this deep bond between them. I don't want to tell you too much, but one of them has just gotten divorced or she's, she's in the process of getting divorced and she has got to get back this precious work of art that was given to her by the girl's mother. And of course, if the mother gave her most precious possession to only one of her twin daughters, you can imagine that there's like plenty of tension simmering below that surface. But it's an irreplaceable painting. It's of their mother painted as Ophelia from the Shakespeare play. From, from a specific stage production of the Shakespeare play. This just came out in late 2020. Um, and we know because of American marriage, it's not the first time that she's incorporated this element of the artistic and the beautiful and the finely crafted into her work. But that could also be, I think, really fun to explore. And it is an audible original, which means it is audio only. It's read. It's narrated by Bonnie Turpin, who is one of my favorites. She's just an amazing narrator. It is short. It's only a couple hours long. But for those who do have the Audible platform, that could be a really fun listen if you're impatiently waiting for Tiari Jones's next novel or a really graceful introduction to her work because it's short and easy. Okay. So that was An American Marriage and Half Light by Tiari Jones. How do those sound? Those sound great. And I had no idea that the um, American Marriage had any art aspect to it. And so, yeah, I'm very interested in both of those. Okay. I am happy to hear it. I really want to go in the direction of witches because there's just so much good stuff. How does that sound to you? That sounds fantastic. I'm excited. (laughs) Well, there's a new book that just came out in October, which may be too recent for you, but it's by Alex E. Harrow. It's called The Once and Future Witches. Is this one that you've read or that's on your radar? No, I saw it on Bookstagram, but I didn't really read anything about it. So please tell me. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me start by saying that she really made a splash with her first, I think her first novel, The 10,000 Doors of January, which we've talked about on this podcast as being like a really wonderful fantasy novel, but also a gateway fantasy for those who don't read a ton of fantasy or aren't sure if they're going to like the genre. It's a great one to pick up. But her next book that just came out in October 2020 is called The Once and Future Witches. When she first described that to our book club, she said, I have a book coming out. It just has a name to play on a classic work of literature. And let me just give you my three word pitch, suffragettes, but witches. 
and it's set in 1893 Salem, but it's not it's not set in the 1893 Salem that we learned about in history class. This is an alternate reality where the suffragettes have turned to witchcraft and they're doing it to pursue women's rights and freedoms. And the story centers on three sisters, three sisters who have delightfully witchy names. They are named James Juniper, Agnes Amaranth, and Beatrice Belladonna. And usually we say, um, what should I read next? That it's not the character names that matter. We just want to know about the story, but I hope that those character names give you a good sense of the feel of the story and her sense of humor and how she's really having fun with taking history and rewriting it. So most of Salem believes that there's no such thing as witches, but the sisters know otherwise, and they use their witch ways, that's what Harrow calls spells in her book, to um, influence things to work out in their favor. And they are busily fighting evil forces, creating these magical witch ways and bonding with each other in order to secure the rights that they feel like they are owed as women. It took me a little while to get my bearings for the first hundred pages of the book, but it's doing more than setting a mood. It's setting up a story. But especially given that you have been to Salem and you love books about witches, I just think this could be a really fun pick for you. How does that sound? It sounds great. I think it's it's good. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm glad to hear it. That was The Once in Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. Now, we haven't discussed this yet today on the show, but you mentioned that you do enjoy reading some YA. Before we go that direction, talk to me about YA. I love YA. The books are just written so beautifully. I love the stories. I love how the characters are developed. I think I more so like YA when there's like a, a big plot or a struggle more so than like a romance, but I'm sold on YA books. Well, in that case, I want to recommend a story that certainly has hard things, but is such a feel-good story. It's Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Koram. This is about a teenage boy who has some things to figure out and who really feels like he doesn't belong. So he's Iranian on his mother's side. He's white American on his father's side. He goes to high school in Portland. He just never feels like he fits in no matter where he goes. He doesn't speak enough Farsi to actually talk to his Iranian relatives, even though he looks just like his mother, but he doesn't fit in at school either. He's mocked and bullied and he's depressed, like clinically depressed as a result of that. His father, who also struggles with depression, seems to always be disappointed in him, even though they share so many of the same struggles. And to add like sorrow upon sorrow here, his grandfather is, I think it's his grandfather and not his grandmother. He has a relative, but his mother's parent back in Iran is terminally ill. So the family's going to go back to their home country and get to know the people where he feels like he's not going to fit in there either. Then for the first time, he begins to discover a sense of belonging, even though at first he's totally unmoored. He doesn't know how to play the card games. He doesn't understand the customs because that's not what his life was like in Oregon. But he's still nevertheless accepted by his family. And he makes a true friend for the first time, something that's completely new to him. And he's able to just relax and feel safe. He ends up really enjoying his time there and really getting a sense of himself and his own identity for the first time. But what I want you to know about this story is that the writing is really rich and just really evokes the sense of place. And the descriptions of food are so 
so good. And the way that the author writes about the dynamics of these various intersecting complex relationships feels so right and is so touching. But the main thing I want you to know is that so many readers say that this is the not just me, that this is the most likable teenage boy in any book they've ever read. Well, it's true that it may like make you cry, like it'll make you laugh on the same page, sometimes in the same moment. And I think that might be the kind of story that you are looking for. Hard times require good books and a specific kind of them. And I think this might be one of them. What do you think? I agree. I think it sounds great. Even the the food quality, because I love food. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it'll make you hungry. So that is Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Korham. I just have to toss in a few extras. Yay. I was really thinking about Queenie by Candace Carty-Williams, speak it for a, uh, a sense of place, similar place to Girl, Woman, Other, and watching someone in their 20s, the protagonist is 25, going through a lot of stuff. Uh, the story is told in a really fun way that it has a lot of like group chats and emails and stuff like that, which can be a lot of fun to read on the page, especially for anyone who does have a lot of group chats and emails with their own friends and who really values friendships. You mentioned that you made your own maps in the front of books before to map out the relationships. That put me in mind of We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry, which instead of a map in the opening, it's like a layout of the various positions on the field hockey team on the field so that you know who plays which position. It's witches and field hockey in the 80s. And I thought that could just be a lot of fun. Oh, wow. And The Good House by Anne Leary is also a really fun, witchy, Massachusetts contemporary novel um, about an alcoholic desperately trying to be sober while her life crumbles around her. Modern day, small town, Massachusetts. And Maggie O'Farrell's new book, Hamnet, Cash Shakespeare's wife, is a witchy kind of woman who communes with animals and perhaps has more influence over the natural world than is safe for her community not to be terrified of her, um, but just a really gorgeous, evocative, unexpected, and really, really desperately sad novel. So know that going in, but also just the the witchy element is kind of fun and not maybe one you'd expect in a novel about Shakespeare's wife. Okay, so I had to sneak those in. But of the books we talked about today, An American Marriage by Tiare Jones, also Half Light, we snuck in there. The Once and Future Witches by Alex Harrow. And Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Korham. Of those three books, what do you think you may read next? Well, I'm definitely going to pick up all of them because the descriptions sound great. But I think I'm going to read The Once and Future Witches first. Well, I'm excited to hear it, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Ashley, thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Ashley, and I'd love to hear what you think she should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 274, and it's where you will find the full list of titles we talked about today and also how to connect further with Ashley. Subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and more. We'll see you next week. To support our show and get weekly bonus episodes, access to fun live streams, and a peek behind the scenes, join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what should I read next. If you wish to do so, this is a great way to tangibly support the show. Sign up to become a supporter at patreon.com slash what should I read next. Follow us on Instagram at what should I read next. And if you don't get our weekly newsletter, go to what should I read next podcast.com slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly delivery. Thanks to the people who make this show happen. What should I read next is produced by Brenna Frederick with sound design by Kellen Pekachek. 
Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe and others. I'm Christopher and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.